Who remembers the hype and the hysteria of the Y2K bug? You remember? You remember when the world was going to end? <laughs> when, when the minute hand hit January 1, the year 2000, that our computers were not going to be able to make the leap from a two-digit date to a four-digit date, which would then lead to a complete global catastrophe. Financial markets would crash, militaries would be dissolved, and we, we in our modern conveniences, we would be reduced to living like, like cave people. We wouldn't have heat anymore, or running water, or any of the modern conveniences. No internet. Hmm. It was so serious that FEMA even produced a, a guideline because they compared Y2K to a natural disaster, an earthquake, a flood, a typhoon. Be prepared. Build a shelter. Stock up on water. Find non-perishable foods. The end is near. Of course, nothing happened except for perhaps the birth of the History Channel show Doomsday Preppers. But nothing happened. In every generation, at some point in its history, they have thought that its time was the end of time. Every generation. And the dawn of the 21st century has been no exception in the last 13 years, we have witnessed natural disasters. We've witnessed war. We have witnessed genocide. And we certainly have witnessed political chaos. Most of us can clearly recall where and what we were doing on September 11, 2001. And the events of that day led to a war, a decade-long war. Most of us can recall December 26, 2004, when the um, tsunami hit Indonesia and killed over 230,000 people. Over the summer, we witnessed the chemical genocide in, in Syria. And let's be honest, politically, we are a hot mess. Hot mess. Do these events point to the end times? Do these events point to the apocalypse? I doubt it. I don't believe so. In fact, every generation, every, every period of human history has seen a variation of these events. Everyone in the generations that follow us will see variations of these events. The challenge for us, as in every generation, is in the midst of such human tragedy, in the midst of such uncertainty, how we find the will to endure. Endure the tragedy. Endure the uncertainty. Endure the darkness. In today's gospel lesson from Luke, we find Jesus with the disciples once again in the temple the grand temple. And the disciples are in a state of wonderment because the temple is so beautiful, adorned with precious stones and gifts given to God. And we've all been there. We've all been there. You've been someplace and you just thought, wow, 
the wonderment of it all. God is here. Look how beautiful this is. I was at Nordstrom's recently in the men's, <laughs> in the men's shoe department. I had the same reaction. I almost fell on my knees and gave an offering. It was so, it was beautiful. We've all been there. <laughs> then I found the cell rack. Oof. Jesus being Jesus, though, brings, <laughs> brings the disciples and their wonderment back to reality. And he foretells that in the very near future, the temple will be destroyed, its beauty erased from the earth. Further, in the very near future, the violence of war, natural disasters, suffering coupled with persecution, even death for some, will be their reality. We are not told the disciples' reaction to this future that Jesus foretells, Yet I imagine one or two of them probably were looking for the closest exit sign. I would have. You would think that Jesus would provide his disciples, his beloved chosen disciples, a plan to save themselves. Instead, though, of a survival guide, he speaks of an opportunity to testify, which is very peculiar considering the future that he has just foretold. And not only are they to testify, but they are also to not prepare. Nothing is to be rehearsed. There's no canned statements that you're going to utter when this dire future unfolds before you. No. No. Instead, I want you to rely on the wisdom given to you in the moment. In fact, I will give you the words you need. And then, only then, will you gain your souls. The future is dark. Some of you will die. Do not prepare. In the moment, though, you will testify, and I will give you what you need. I'd still be looking for that exit. What kind of testimony do you imagine a faithful faithful person gives when confronted with great suffering and unspeakable hatred, when one's very life is close to extinction, when the world you know is no more, what kind of testimony do you give? We are all very familiar with bearing witness to God in the good times. It is so easy to give thanks to God when our lives are going well. It is so easy to recount the stories of God delivering the slaves out of Egypt. It is so easy to think about how wonderful and infinite God is because God always finds a way when we don't see a way. Those things are so easy. Those moments are so easy. Even this morning, we gathered and we praised God because life is easy. And we are here together. But life is not perfect. And pain is always present. Where is your faith when you witness great suffering, catastrophe? Where is your faith when you lose a loved one? Where is your faith when you yourself are faced with imminent death? 
Suffering always means pain, disruption, separation, and incompleteness. It can render one powerless and mute. Great suffering changes some people and defeats others. Those who endure, those who have been changed, they almost always speak a wisdom that our troubled world desperately needs to hear. And they speak that wisdom because they have endured. They have found light in the darkness. Elie Wiesel once said, I decided to devote my life to telling the story because I felt as having survived, I owe it to the dead. To the world, to the world that is no more. I swore never to be silent. Whenever and wherever human beings are enduring suffering and humiliation. For hope is like peace. It is not, though, a gift from God. Hope is not a gift from God. Hope is a gift only we can give to one another. We sang It Is Well With My Soul earlier, and I don't know if you know the history of that hymn, but Horatio Spafford, Spafford, um, he lost his entire business in the Chicago fire in the late 19th century. And his wife and his four daughters following the fire were crossing the Atlantic. Um, and during the crossing, uh, the boat uh, that they were on uh, was hit by another boat, and the ship sank. And all of Horatio's daughters died on the boat. And he received a telegram from his wife that just said, Lone Survivor. In his crossing uh, of the Atlantic to be with his wife, he passed the place where the boat had sank and his daughters had died. And in that moment, he gave witness to God, his faith in God, that in the darkness and the loss of his life, he wrote, it is well with my soul. The testimony that we are to speak of as Christians, the testimony that Jesus wants of us in the moment, is a testimony of hope. It's a testimony of courage. It is a testimony of recreation. For true faith is the assurance of things hoped for. and the conviction of things not seen. True faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It is easy to have faith in God in the grand cathedral, but where is your faith in God when the cathedral crumbles? It is easy to have faith in God when your life is perfect, but where is your faith in God when you lose a child? In the giving of our testimony, our witness of God's presence in our lives, 
I do believe we receive the gift of faith, for faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through Christ. The word that created in the beginning and the word that continues to create in our lives today. When we embrace the word, capital W, when we allow it to define us and empower us and sustain us, we do have the capacity to live into our fullest potential. Regardless of the hell we live in, we can live into our fullest potential. Because we will know a strength that is unbreakable, and we live into a promise of life that is not diminished by imperfection. The word endures, and we endure when we bear witness to it. Jesus tells his disciples, do not anchor your faith in the beauty of the temple, but in your ability to endure. Endure evil, endure pain, endure uncertainty. For the love of God is not about perfection. The love of God is not about an easy life. The love of God is about having the eyes to see beauty everywhere. Even in the midst of your personal hell, to see God in it and live in that place and live in the hope so that you too might help recreate the world for yourself and for others. One beloved world, far from perfection, but full of grace. Full of hope. Amen.